You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere. And with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I've used the SeatGeek app in the past here in Dallas where I live to buy Mavericks tickets to go see Yogi play, uh, to go to Rangers games, used it before to buy IU tickets when up in Bloomington. And I certainly plan on using it in the future because of how easy it is. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And using SeatGeek actually saves you time and money because they search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days, and this week had plenty of them. This is our 74th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 402nd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, May 3rd, 2018. Your regular host, Jared Morris, is out this week. Apparently, an orientation meeting for his daughter's preschool is more important than another hour of Romeo Langford analysis, so I'm Andy Bottoms. And I'll be guiding you through this week's discussion with our esteemed panel, who I will introduce momentarily. Well, let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, Romeo Lankford is the obvious choice as the banner moment, uh, but we kind of did that on our recap show on Monday. So I'll take it in a slightly different direction. Uh, But with the commitments this week from Romeo Lankford and Evan Fitzner uh, more recently today, uh, we're now a Juwan Morgan draft decision away from locking down the season's roster. And the excitement for this upcoming season is growing, despite being just a few days into May. You had people lining up outside New Albany High School hours before the doors opened for Romeo's announcement. You had thousands of people in attendance when he put on that IU hat. You had tens of thousands of people watching online. And we even convened a six-person show to talk about all of it in the immediate aftermath, which had more live viewers than any post-game show that we can recall and probably any that we've ever had. If you think about where things were with the program after IU lost to Georgia Tech in March of 2017, That's a pretty big turnaround in less than 14 months. So to go from punting a home game in the NIT to listening to Jared and Ryan argue on Monday night whether it was in any way realistic to compare IU's team this year to the Syracuse team with Carmelo Anthony that won the NCAA tournament, 
you know, that's a, that's a long way to go. Uh, and ultimately, those are the fun parts of being a fan, being able to dream a little bit, have some hope for where things are going and for the upcoming season. And 14 months ago, that hope just wasn't there. Life comes at you fast, though, and here we are with a passionate fan base galvanized by a coach and a staff who laid out a strategy and to this point have followed through and passed their first series of tests. As we'll talk about later in the show, we've seen this kind of momentum before, and certainly in recent years, it's proven to be unsustainable. No way of knowing whether this time will really be different than what happened after the signings of Jared Jeffries and Eric Gordon or, or Cody Zeller, but in my gut, it feels different. And all that being said, expectations have now been raised for the upcoming season, and that presents another hurdle for Archie, his staff, and the team to clear. Last year's team struggled to get over the hump in close games, but another year in Miller's system for the veterans, an influx of talent from the newcomers should certainly help. And ideally, the same passion and excitement that we've seen over the course of this week from IU fans should lead to no more empty seats in Assembly Hall and a crowd and an atmosphere that might be good for at least a few more home wins as well. And if all that comes together, the Hoosiers should meet those expectations and get back to the NCAA tournament. There are a lot of questions to be answered about what's realistic from there, but the last time I checked, the only way to get closer to hanging banner number six is to earn the right to play for one. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, we have the founder of the number one ranked Delphi Bracketology Club, an assistant basketball coach at Western High School, and the host of Talking Hoosier Baseball. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I will warn everyone now, I am using the old way that we record these, so no fancy sound bites, drops of Ryan, uh, or any of that. So for those who tuned in for that, I apologize in advance, uh, but we've still got a great panel. So Brian, uh, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Hey. It's just a nice time to be an Indiana Hoosier fan again. And hopefully uh, with the signing class that we have and Romeo signing that uh, we, we're a little more unified. It, it's been a long, long time uh, since uh, the fan base has even been close to being unified. And uh, hopefully with the signing and the progress uh, that's made and, and we had another commitment today that uh, the fan base can get on board for a while and build on uh, the, the recruiting momentum. And then we'll mention it over and over again. The other thought is inside out. Uh, it was mentioned at the press conference uh, when Archie was hired, and it's been solidly executed so far by the coaching staff in ways that a lot of people did not think possible. And now it has to be done on the court. Uh, it has to be in the, in the weight room in individual workouts and the team play, and then games have to be won. And that's the next step for all of us to talk about all the way up until November. And to my right, hopefully he's been able to catch up on some sleep the last couple of days. He's the founder and editor of Inside the Hall, Jared's co-host on Podcast on the Brink, and one of many thousands of New Albany High School graduates who has not yet had his number retired. Uh, I know what maybe the best part of Alex's week has been so far, and it was uh, when he posted that there was no downtime on the site in the before, during, and after the uh, Romeo announcement. So feel free to go with that if you want, Alex. But uh, what what are your other big takeaways from what I'm sure has been a busy week for you? Yeah, uh, just a, a lot of fun. Um, you know, when, when I started inside the hall uh, 10 years ago, it was <clears> – <throat> I was passionate about writing about IU and following the team, and weeks like this are are the reason uh, that that really uh, make everything worth it. Because uh, obviously the Romeo Langford decision is unlike anything we've seen, and just his recruitment in general is has been fascinating to follow. Uh, more more so uh, specifically for me, just being from New Albany and having uh, seen him play since his freshman year in high school, and the fact that he's such a special player. Uh, it was uh, just a, just a really 
cool scene to see 2,500 people show up on Monday night for a kid's college announcement. That's not something you see every day. And then today, obviously, the good news continued with uh, Indiana picking up uh, Evan Fitzner. It's, it's funny that we, we hopped on a little bit late here tonight because uh, I was talking to him right before the show just to kind of get his thoughts on his uh, commitment. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's definitely uh, excited about coming into Indiana and the possibilities next year just based on you know what other great players they have coming in he feels like he can come in and be a senior leader so it's been a it's been a really fun week I think the next thing now that everyone's going to want to start to talk about is how do all the pieces fit together and that's something that we'll talk about I'm sure here a little bit in the show and as the months go on uh, it, it's always fun going into a season uh, when you have a lot of um, hope for for what's next I think the, the one thing that really stands out to me is you know, from a high level when I look at this as this team next year, you know, people have been throwing around terms like Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship, things like that. I think it's going to take some time for these pieces to all fit together. I mean, there's going to be a lot more talent than what we've seen, uh, you know, maybe uh, this past season. But uh, there's going to be also, uh, you know, six or seven new players that are being integrated into a new system. And uh, there's going to be some some growing pains along the way. But you know, I agree with what Brian said. I mean, if you're an Indiana fan at this point, you have to feel good just about that. Uh, the fact that e- everything you've heard so far this off season has been positive news. Nobody's left in terms of transfers. Uh, you've got uh, obviously Romeo Langford committing. You've got a, a guy who's really experienced coming in from St. Mary's who can provide some shooting and uh, some some depth uh, in the front court. So, you know, it's it's been a great week. I think if you're an Indiana fan, and there's a lot to be excited about. Absolutely. And so here's some of the topics and questions we're going to hit this week. Um, so the first is going to be talking about a little bit about Evan Fitzner, what I use getting uh, in him, how he fits into the roster. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, you know, Jared Sinn and the topic, uh, you know, kind of comparing Romeo's commitment to, you know, some of those other times that I referenced in the opening of whether that be Zeller or Eric Gordon, uh, and, you know, how this time might be different. Uh, we'll transition a lot into what Alex talked about. So what are kind of, you know, roster wise, most of those questions have been answered short of Juwan. So now we can get into, you know, what some of the biggest encore questions are. We have a, you know, as, as good an idea as we're probably going to get at least until Juwan makes his final decision of what the roster will look like. So we'll figure out what those things are, uh, what we should be watching for in the off season and leading into next season with Romeo in the fold. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit more with, with Brian about some of the pros and cons of different lineup approaches that, that Archie might be able to use given uh, the roster that uh, that is now taking shape. So we'll hit all that here coming on Assembly Call Radio. And if we have some time, we've got a bunch of tw- Twitter questions. Uh, obviously, everybody was holding back their non-Romeo questions until after he committed. So now we can move forward with a new, uh, new line of questioning. Uh, but before we go any further, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our friends at Meekum Auctions. Not that we needed it, but Monday's spectacle at New Albany was a great reminder of just how crazy Hoosiers are about their basketball. And if there's one thing that comes close to the basketball love in Indiana, it's the state's love for auto racing. With the Indy 500 right around the corner and the weather getting nicer, it's a great auction event for families who are looking for something fun to do together. Meekum Auctions is hosting their 31st original spring classic car auction at the Indiana State Fairgrounds May 15th through May 20th, which is a Tuesday through a Sunday. And what will you find at the Meekum Auction? 2,000 classic and collector cars, everything from muscle cars and race cars to classics and exotics. But more than that, it's a family-friendly environment that makes it perfect for a family outing. And there will also be some big-name sports tie-ins as well. MLB Hall of Famer Reggie Jackson will be selling 18 cars from his private collection, and Meekum will be offering the green 1967 Corvette that was gifted to Bart Starr for winning the Super Bowl I MVP award. There's also a road art auction simultaneous to the car auction, 
This includes porcelain and neon signs, gas and oil collectibles, pedal cars, and more. The gates open daily at 7.30 a.m. Tickets and bidder registration is available in advance at Meekum.com. Again, it's Meekum's 31st original spring classic car auction at the Indiana State Fairgrounds, Tuesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 20th. Go to Meekum.com for more information. You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall. Uh, and guys, let's kind of jump in. Uh, we had a, a quick audible for what we were going to cover first, but the Evan Fitzner uh, commitment, a 6'10 guy from St. Mary's, uh, comes in as a grad transfer. So talk a little bit about what we're getting with him. Just a couple you know, statistical things from an efficiency standpoint. He's been really good every year. Uh, his lowest offensive rating was a year ago when he was uh, at a 112.8, uh, which included 124.5 in, in Western West Coast Conference play. So uh, you know, really efficient player, shoots the ball well from three-point range. I think that's the big draw for him. Has been over 40% in all three years of his career. Uh, and has also shot the ball well from two-point range. This year, he was 71% on twos in West Coast Conference play. And in terms of rebounding, uh, defensive rebounding percentage of at least 16% in each of his three seasons. So uh, a guy who I, I think battled some injuries last year, but an interesting piece for IU. Um, Alex, I'll go to you first since you just talked to him and also um, you know had news of this up right away on the site and, and talk to his family as well. Uh, what kind of player is IU getting in Evan Fitzgerald? I think the main takeaway that I got from just talking to his dad, um, he had nothing but good things to say about the, his experience at St. Mary's, but I think he's looking for an opportunity um, or maybe there's a, a faster tempo in terms of style play. And, um, you know, one thing his dad mentioned to me a lot, oftentimes in the West coast conference, uh, you know, they had another a really good uh, big man there at St. Mary's and teams would go smaller and, uh, you know, Evan wouldn't get uh, as many minutes because uh, he didn't match up as well uh, against smaller lineups. And I think one thing uh, he specifically mentioned is he, he thinks that, that Evan's excited about playing in, in the pack line type of defense. Just from my conversation with, with Evan, one thing he, he mentioned was this this summer – is going to be uh, crucial for him in terms of putting on some weight. I think he mentioned he wanted to put on 10 or 15 pounds. Uh, he specifically mentioned uh, Cliff Marshall as being uh, a quote, an asset to the program. Uh, he's looking forward to, to working with him. And, and so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the front court rotation shakes out because you have a lot of different things uh, that you're going to be able to do. If you're Archie Miller, uh, you have some small lineups you're going to be able to go to with guys like race Thompson or Jake Forrester, but then you've also got, uh, Clifton Moore, who, who's lingering out there. We'll see how he develops. Uh, Deron Davis coming back from injury. And then, of course, Jawan Morgan. Uh, for a team that, that this past season, it, it almost seemed like uh, they were desperate for answers at times in the front court. Uh, it seems like this this group's going to be a lot more uh, well-rounded. And with Fitzner, you mentioned the three-point shooting. Uh, you know, with, with a guy like Romeo Langford on the perimeter and, and if Jawan Morgan comes back, uh, if he's a 40% three-point shooter, uh, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to get open looks uh, with defenses uh, concentrating on those guys. So I think it's a, it's a great add from that perspective. Yeah, well, I, uh, Jared tweeted something out from the Assembly Call account uh, when it happened, and, and Sam Bassini uh, from The Athletic wrote him back. So a couple of his comments. Um, Fissner shoots the blank out of it. Uh, that's one of Sam's favorite phrases. Anybody who listens to his podcast with any regularity. Uh, was battling injury last year, too. Pure depth insurance addition, uh, in his opinion. Um, but he also said, you know, catch and shoot, spot up, stretch big, good mobility, fluid athletic size, not a tough rebounder, even though the numbers suggest he was at least relatively effective rebounding or interior defender. I think that speaks a little bit to what Alex talked about with 
uh, wanting to put on some weight. He says definitely a perimeter big, but I think, you know, again, a, a pick and pop guy, give I use some different, uh, you know, different looks out there. Brian, were you, you know, I think we talked about this on prior shows and, and trying to figure out if I was going to look for a grad transfer, which I think a lot of people, you know, they certainly were in the market and mentioned with a number of guys. Uh, we kind of, you know, went back and forth about whether we thought uh, that'd be another guard or a big guy. Uh, did it say anything to you? Were you surprised that it was a big guy? Or or do you think this ends up being a pretty good fit for for what IU already has in the fold? Well, when we initially discussed it, I thought it was going to be more of a guard because they needed extra shooters. Well, well, the shooting part of that was right, but they 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 went to a big. I think it it mentions to me that there is um, a little bit of insurance with uh, Duran's injury being a major concern. And then, as we saw last year, we had talented freshmen, but they had up and down parts of the season, and everyone's development is different. And while we're getting, you know, Romeo is going to be outstanding, and and the other guys are going to be good too, but they they have some up and downs in their first year. And Alex mentioned how young the team will gonna, is going to be. And this brings in some experience. And there have been a lot of success with grad transfers, and I'm sure we can go through college basketball and find some that didn't quite work out. But in the Big Ten, it seems that they have worked out. Max Bielfeld here uh, was, was nice. You just saw what happened in the, with Ohio State with uh, Dockage. And, and so – uh, with a young team bringing some experience, someone who's played and played in some talented competition, started some games, been in the NCAA tournament, that's valuable. And, and especially if Jawan does not come back, but we think he will. So the shooting's nice, but it tells me that uh, they want to have a little bit of depth there, but I don't think you bring him in and not play him. So I think he's going to be a, a regular in the rotation uh, somewhere. Uh, and, and if he's not, then the, the other guys really develop well, and that's a plus. Yeah, I agree. I was a little bit surprised, but I do think it makes some sense. It gives, you know, a number of the guys are going to be counting on are either, you know, coming off of injury in Duran's case or, uh, or, you know, going to be first year players. Race Thompson has obviously been there. So I do think it gives some insurance and uh, on a team that desperately lacks shooting, it certainly sounds like it gives them a guy who's going to be able to knock down some shots. And, and as Alex said, I think there should be no shortage of open looks given the, uh, given the personnel. So I think a good thing for everybody involved. So coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about whether this latest in-state commitment with Romeo Langford uh, is going to be different than others we've seen in the past. We'll hit that next on the Assembly Call Radio. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms, filling in this week as your host here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall. And don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. 
So the next topic I wanted to touch on was one that Jared sent. I thought it was a, an interesting angle to to look at the Romeo commitment. And so the way he worded this was to kind of compare how it felt um, to things either in 2008 when Eric Gordon committed or 2011 with Cody Zeller. Uh, you know, and as I think many people have mentioned, you know, those have, you know, we look back on those as, you know, kind of the last times that IU got a really elite player from inside the state. Um, and so everybody felt great at the time, seemed like big momentum shifts, everything going in the right direction. And then never really were able to sustain at least in a, a over multiple seasons, the momentum that seemed to be there, uh, with each. And as he put it, you know, each time the program went off the rails soon thereafter. Uh, and so I guess ultimately the question becomes, why do we think this time should be any different? So Brian, I'll, I'll throw that to you first. Do you, what do you view as different about the Romeo commitment and where the program sits right now to, you know, the Gordon and Zeller commitments in particular? I, I think that's an excellent question for Alex. He's been covering for 10 years, but I'm going to throw it just real quick. In, in this point of view, it depends on the coach and the coaching staff. Uh, the, and if you just look at it from a coaching standpoint, in 2008, our coaching staff didn't follow through. In fact, did some things, and we're all aware of that. And then uh, after 2011, there's, there seemed to be some, not I don't want to call them empty recruiting classes, but some recruiting classes that didn't quite mesh uh, I guess the way they might have been planned and, and the, you know, the movement didn't end up being the movement uh, other than Yogi. And so I think there were, you know, the, the Archie's got to continuously recruit. Getting Romeo this year is great, but then he has to continuously add players if he's going to get Indiana back to blue blood status. That's what Kansas does. That's what Duke does and those and I'm not saying we're back there, but if if we want to be consistently a Sweet 16 and and maybe further type of team, we've got to recruit and, and we got to hit more years than not. So the, the difference to me is we have a coach, and we'll be able to tell if this is a, a a better coaching situation in two or three years if this kind of recruiting continues. Alex, what about you? After having you know covered the Romeo recruitment so closely these last you know particularly over the last year, but even, you know, leading up to that a little bit, I know you covered the Zeller recruitment uh, as well. I'm not sure. I think the Eric Gordon one was right around, right before I think you started the, uh, yeah. the site, but I mean, what's your view on this, this question? Do you, do you really think it's different or is there, you know, should, if people have pause about this, do you think that's fair or no? I mean, you'd like to say it's different, but I don't think anyone can say for sure until we're, you know, three or four years down the line from now, because as Brian mentioned, it's it's not just about getting Romeo. It's about what do you do in 2019? What do you do in 2020? What do you do in 2021? And going back to the last time when they got a great in-state player. Now, I mean, I think Yogi, Yogi and James Blackman qualify as, uh, Yogi is obviously a great player. James Blackman probably considered a good player. But you look at the rest of those classes, I mean, you, you follow up 2011. Uh, with with Cody, you had Austin Etherington, who didn't bring a whole lot to the table, and you had Remy Abel, who transferred out. And then 2012, you had Yogi, and then you had pretty much nothing uh, that went along with him. I guess Honor had some moments. And then 2013, you had, um, I mean, Colin Hartman, Troy Williams, that really panned out. I mean... Trying to think, Stan Robinson. You know, there's, there, there was too many, too many um, guys that were just um, didn't bring. Uh, whether it was only the fact that they, oh, 2013 had Vonley too. He was the one and done. But 
um, you know, too many instances where you had a guy that either didn't pan out or uh, didn't perform kind of up to expectations. So uh, as excited as people are right now, and this is not uh, me being cynical or anything, it's just you have to wait and see what happens beyond. I think most of us think that you, that uh, Romeo is probably going to be a one-year player, but if he leads to you know a Keon Brooks or a Trace Jackson Davis in 19, and then in 2020 uh, you get a Trey Galloway and you get some other national uh, recruits that you can you can build, you know, sustain success year over year. I mean, that was the one thing that, that Tom Crean was never able to do in Indiana. He had some really good teams, but it was always, you know, a roller coaster uh, from year to year. And I think what Archie and the staff are trying to do now is more similar to, you know, to an approach like Villanova where, you you know, you bring in a great player, you know, but then you also have two or three guys in every class that are going to be solid three or four year players. And then your young players develop and they become seniors and then you just replenish them in the younger classes. And that's, that's not what Indiana was under Tom Crean. And if, if they're going to be uh, mentioned, I mean, I don't, I don't think unless you're Kentucky and Duke or Duke, you can sustain success in college basketball by recruiting one and done every year. I mean, if you're going to be consistently good, you have to bring in, I think, at minimum two or three players in every class that are going to develop in your program and, and be solid three to four year guys. You know, you can afford to have guys leave early when that happens, but uh, when guys leave early and you don't have that, that's when you have uh, the seasons with with a huge drop off. So I think we'll have a better feeling two or three years from now if, if that's going to be the case. But I think just right now, it's impossible to say that for sure. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think yeah, that's one thing we've talked about before. I think one. At some point last offseason, we had discussions on here about what program you wanted to, uh, you know, to emulate. I think we probably already visited that over the course of this year and said, you know, Villanova, it was an answer I don't think anybody gave, but it probably was the one we should have given. Um, right. and, and But I think you look now and you see, you know, some of the other guys in this class, obviously Romeo is the headliner. There's no question about that. But I think when you look at guys like Finnessy and Hunter uh, and, and Race Thompson, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, we should, you know, consider part of this class. and uh, and those kinds of guys, I think you see guys who are going to be there for a while and will be the guys who can pass that torch to other guys as you go through. And um, certainly great to get the you know superstar like Romeo. But if those other guys aren't there, um, you know, there's probably a lot of examples that we could cite even in the last few years of guys who came into college really talented, were surrounded by other guys who couldn't really help them succeed. And uh, while they've gone on to do fine in the NBA, they didn't really have a great college experience. So, um, you know, Alex, you brought this up, and I think it's probably the best place to, to ask this question. We we called for questions. We certainly got a number of those who have, you know, now that Romeo's uh, in the mix, everybody's moved on to who the, who the next person is. And that was one of the things that was talked about with him committing, uh, you know, making it okay for, you know, elite in-state kids to go to IU again and, and some of those kinds of things. Uh, IU's in, in good position, it sounds like, with a number of other guys in, in next year's class in particular. Do you think there's any somewhat immediate domino effect of, of Romeo committing or or most of the guys that they're in with not really that close to making a decision? It's impossible to say because you never know with a, with a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid what they're going to do. I would say, um, you know, the guys I just mentioned, Trace Jackson Davis, I think uh, they're in great position there. And Keon Brooks, they've, they've done a lot of work there. So, you know, I think those are two of the really – obviously the key recruitments uh, in 2019 uh, to keep an eye on. I think the interesting thing to me right now at this stage in 2019, at least with uh, the recruiting strategy, is just kind of the guards. Uh, they've kind of, obviously, DJ Carton, the kid from Iowa, that they've 
put a lot of work in. It doesn't seem like any of the in-state kids are really um, progressing much in terms of an offer. I mean, they've offered a lot of kids that are outside the state. So I think this could be a class where you see, uh, you know, they obviously want the, the two big in-state five-star kids, but where they may have to go to different areas uh, to fill out the rest of the recruiting class because, uh, you know, Armand Franklin, the kid from uh, Cathedral, uh, has got some high major offers and attention, but they haven't offered him at this point. Uh, I don't know if that's coming. Brandon Newman, the kid from Van, uh, not Vanderbilt, Valparaiso, um, is another kid who's a you know a pretty talented class of 2019 kid. Uh, I think a core junior all star in the state, and he hasn't he's played really well this spring. He hasn't gotten an offer. I would have thought you know if either one of those <laughs> excuse me were uh, either of those guys were you know solid candidates to to uh, get offers that would have come by now. So we'll see there, but. You know, I don't, you know, it's it's impossible to say, like, kind of how this changes things. I mean, I think it obviously, it doesn't hurt anything. I mean, a guy like Trace Jackson Davis seems to be pretty close with Romeo. Uh, obviously, I don't think he would ever play with him unless Romeo stays more than one year, which I don't think any of us think is going to happen. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it could it could definitely start a domino effect. And, uh, it, 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 you know, when you have... When you have a top five player coming to your program, it, it's it's just a it's just a good headline that you, that you can show to other people and, and maybe uh, open some doors with other kids that that wouldn't have been open otherwise. And you know what I like about the uh, is how he committed and what made him commit. And watching uh, Archie Miller coach during that Northwestern game that could speak to other uh, big name recruits and five star recruits that okay here's Romeo a, a top five guy and he likes the way Archie that we we need to watch the and Alex mentioned Cliff Marshall uh, what a strength that is turning out to be to sell to to recruits too and then Ed Schilling with his development is another thing that I heard so uh, Archie and staff really might help uh, those dominoes fall and then that answers the previous question too if you can get decent classes multiple years in a row with some three, four-year guys who want to come in and develop. And I think you're, you're going to start seeing more people uh, really take Indiana seriously in the recruiting because because of this commitment, and, and but the method and the things that the people are saying about why they committed. Uh, I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall discussing the latest and greatest in IU basketball. So... One of the things I wanted to kind of talk about next, you know, we, as we looked at, you know, wild cards or, or things to look at heading into the season, they all really centered around the roster and Romeo uh, to this point. Well, now that he's here, uh, I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts on, on what really the biggest on-court questions are for IU next year. I think point guard play is certainly one. Durant's health is another, although the, the Fitzner signing, I think, mitigates that question a little bit. Uh, could just be how the minutes get, you know, doled out uh, across these guys as now the, the roster and the depth is, uh, is exciting for, for those of us who, who watch or cover the team. Um, but, but probably, you know, makes it tough for Archie to figure out how all those go. So, uh, Alex, I'll go to you first. What do you, what do you think the biggest lingering question is at, at this point outside of, you know, personnel kind of take Juwan's decision out of it. I think that's the, the next obvious one, but, uh, what, what big, questions do you or what's the biggest question you have going into next season at this point i would say the minutes because i was thinking about this earlier not only do you have 13 scholarship players you have a non-scholarship player in zach mcroberts who started most of the season so um and and it's not like a situation uh, where we've had recent years where there's you know a scholarship player who's never going to play like a tim priller this is all 
Um, these are all guys who you, you figure have a chance to, to find minutes. Um, so you can't play 14 guys. And I think ideally Archie doesn't want to play more than eight or nine, 10 guys at the most. And so who's the, who are the guys who are going to really separate themselves? And this makes for an interesting um, environment in terms of practice and workouts because, um, you know, there was times last season where Archie had to play guys who maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten minutes, but it was just out of necessity uh, based on what he had on the roster. Now you, you, you kind of flip the page and you say, you know what, if, if, uh, if Race Thompson, for example, doesn't, you know, do the things that he needs to do, he's not going to play. You know, you can pretty much say that about most of the guys on the roster uh, outside of the, the top two or three guys. And so I think it's going to be fascinating to watch how um, that develops. Um, and the other thing, you know, I agree with you on the point guard and, and maybe a little bit of a question on the guard depth. I think looking at what they have, um, you know, in terms of guys that would consider to be guards, uh, I would say, you know, obviously they just have uh, Romeo, um, Devontae Green, Al Durham, and then Finnessy uh, as guys who can really handle the ball uh, well. So that that's another question mark I would have. But but otherwise, I mean, I mean, I, I think you'd rather be in the position of you have too many guys and you don't have enough. So it's yeah, not a, bad, think, not a bad problem to have. Yeah, I know. I think last year got dangerously close to not having enough at times. So I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, Brian, what about you? What's the, what's the biggest thing on your mind right now? Uh, point guard play is always important from a coach's standpoint. When when we had good point guard, we played better, and it'll be interesting to see how that competition plays out. Uh, but I'm going to go with defense. Uh, when How soon can these young kids who have played high school basketball, AAU basketball, come in and play uh, the defense that's needed to win consistently in the Big Ten and the NCAA? Uh, we saw Justin Smith have troubles uh, defensively early. And if we go, we'll talk lineups later, but if he has to play the three, if we go big, Indiana goes big, can he guard the three spot, the wing on the floor effectively? How soon do these young guys? That's going to be the big on-the-floor thing for me to watch uh, early in the season. Uh, Archie said at one time it took two or three years to really get it implemented at Dayton, and we're in the second year with a young team and, a, and some new players. so. That'll be something that I'll be watching. Uh, it got better this year. Uh, where does it start at and how much improvement and how quick does it improve? All right. Well, up next, we're going to toss around some of those potential lineup ideas that Brian talked about. And we, uh, if we have time, we'll start to dip into some of the questions that we got from Twitter. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter or text IU to 66866. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you need to be on our newsletter list. You'll get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups, as well as our post-game analysis emails once the season begins. It's all free, and it'll make you a smarter IU basketball fan. So go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866. I'm Andy Bottoms, taking over the reins this week as the host, here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall. And so one of the things that we wanted to touch on was, you know, you start looking a little bit, Alex mentioned guard depth uh, in the last segment, just as kind of where, uh, you know, this roster is, is starting to shake out. And I think one of the interesting things for me is to start to figure out what some, what some potential lineups would look like. I, I joked after the announcement that John Rothstein had tweeted out the projected lineup. So any, any questions about what it would be could be put to rest, but assuming that he might not be correct about uh, really that lineup. 
yeah, he did something. Yeah, it was something to the effect of I think it was Duran, uh, Juwan, Justin Smith, Romeo Langford, and um, and Devontae Green. Where he's just like, oh, projected starters or whatever. So hmm. you know, obviously a good thing to do in in you know yeah. late April, early May. Um, but uh, yeah, so he threw that out. But assuming that we don't, we're not buying into that, or at least we want to explore the possibility that he could be wrong. Um, you know, there's some, some interesting options in terms of like playing big or small, you know, the one that, uh, you know, the one that he threw out where you're playing, you know, a big man. So maybe that's Duran, maybe that's Pitzner in, in this case, uh, you know, Forrester, somebody else plus Juwan plus Justin Smith at the three where you have a, end up having a pretty big lineup or you've got options to go with Juwan, uh, at the five, Justin Smith at the four, or maybe a, a Zach McRoberts at the three. Uh, or something like that. So I think you've got some flexibility. So, you know, Brian, I was curious to get your, you know, put your coach's hat on here and, and kind of talk through what some of the pros and cons are of, of either of those approaches. Yeah, it's, it's just based, uh, you could do it on matchups. It's based on maybe what you want to accomplish. Uh, but, I, but one of the things that I think coaches do is too, is who can you guard? Uh, which lineup is best to guard on a consistent basis, and, and whether that's uh, who you're playing or, or overall. And as I mentioned earlier, can uh, Smith guard the three if you go Smith at the three and Juwan at the four and a, a, a Fitzner or a Davis or whoever at the five? I do think the roster is currently setting up. to. We have uh, some depth at the bigs if Juwan comes back to, to play a little more big. And I know that Archie likes uh, that size, that 6'5 to 6'9 type of uh, athlete at a variety of positions. Um, but in the past, he played uh, three guards. Uh, and, and was that just because of the roster this year? Or is Romeo going to slide down to the three and they, they play Durham at the two and, and Devante at the one? And, and if you're going to play people lots of minutes and you can have a rotation there and slide someone in. But I, I think it, um, you know, in if you can have bigs with length who can guard the dribble, uh, I, I think you might see more of a big lineup at least to start, unless uh, there's a matchup problem. Alex, what do you think? You know this this idea of Justin Smith playing the three, and, and maybe you can expand this to some of the other new guys coming in. Um, do you think that's where he ultimately slots in best, where Archie thinks he can be most effective, or? Uh, that that to me is a question. I think the defensive question that Brian brought up about playing him at the three is probably the biggest one in my mind. But uh, do you think that's ultimately where Archie sees him fitting in? Yeah, it's an interesting question um, because he was a guy that uh, just at times this year looked, um, you know, really good uh, in certain situations defensively, and then he had other games where he had lapses, and so. I think with his athleticism um, and a year under his belt, I think he's going to be a guy who can, in a in a small ball lineup, he can play the four, and then if you go big, he can play the three. The other thing I like about this uh, about the new guys uh, that they're bringing in, Romeo, Ro- you know, Romeo can guard. I, saw, I watched Romeo guard Darius Baisley this season in a high school game. Now he's a six eight, six nine guy who's going to the G League, a top twenty player in the league uh, in the country that like to play inside. You know, he blocked his shot a couple times. So I don't think it's out of the question that Romeo is going to be able to guard uh one through three when he needs to. I don't think it's out of the question that, that Jerome Hunter can guard multiple spots just based on uh his his size and his length. Um you know the Jake Forrester uh, similar, you know, good shot blocker, a guy who has uh, ability to, to guard in the post and also probably 
uh, as Brian talked about, guard, ball screens. I think that's the that's the one question mark I have going forward about uh, Duran is how does he um, how does he guard ball screens? Uh, and because the college game is so dependent on uh, you know Archie's style of play is you don't they don't switch anything right so you got to be able to to be a, hold your own uh, regardless and I think the one thing that, that that they got burned on a lot early in the in um, the season last year was the help and recover and the concept basic concepts of the of the pack line and so um, I think the one thing that this stands out to me is. Uh, Sorry to ramble here a little bit about this whole group that's coming in is just the versatility that they could potentially have defensively um, that that really kind of expands um, the possibilities in terms of a lineup. I mean, it'll be fascinating next year to see just how many different lineups are used, particularly early in the season, just trying to mix and match different combos to see what works, what doesn't work. We haven't even mentioned Zach McRoberts, who was uh, one of the team's best perimeter defender at times last year. And, uh, you know, we're we're automatically assuming that some of these young guys are going to come in and take minutes. I don't think he's just going to automatically say, "I'm a walk on. I'm going back to the bench." Uh, these guys are all going to compete day in and day out in practice. But going back to your original question, I think I think Justin Smith has the athleticism uh, and the ability to to play different positions. But ultimately, you know, I think on next year's team specifically, uh, they'd be best suited if he could play the three. Because wow, think of a lineup where you've got, you know six, you know, whatever the point guard's going to be, if it's Devontae or Fennessey, but then you got six, six at the two guard, you got six, seven at the three, uh, you got Jawan at the four, potentially six, what, six, seven, six, eight. And then you have Duran or Fitzner or Forrester, whoever is going to play the five. I just, I mean, that's, a, that's a huge lineup. I mean, that's, that's a lot different than what they had this year with, uh, you know, Devonte and Josh Newkirk and Robert Johnson out there. Yeah, I think Roberts is interesting because he kind of bridges the gap between some of these lineup options because of you know the way he can guard and um, you know how hard he plays. And I think you know one of the you know one of the the things that was a an issue, I guess if you want to call it that, last year was you know we were talking about is he really going to look at the hoop? Um, can he score enough? I think now you're getting to a point where this team's going to have enough offensive options with you know a guy like Romeo certainly, but um, where. I think this upcoming year's team might be a little bit better equipped to be able to cover up for some of those offensive deficiencies in the Roberts game. And, and like you said, I certainly don't think he's going to give up those minutes. And when you look at what Archie values from a defensive perspective, uh, I don't know that he's going to be uh, all that eager to relinquish minutes from a guy who he knows what he's going to get out of defensively on a night in and night out basis. So I think he really becomes a really an interesting piece of, of how the minutes end up doling themselves out and really how much he plays because you know, he's one of the few guys that you know kind of can can easily slide into a few different places in the lineup. Yeah, I think Mick Roberts is. Uh, you know, I've been anointed to have his fan club next year by Jared because uh, coaches can't resist. And sometimes uh, you don't necessarily play your best five to start. Uh, sometimes uh, you know you mix and match and have offensive players come off the bench. So when you do sub, uh, you have an offensive. Uh, you know, boost coming off the bench. And McRoberts is the kind of guy that coaches like because he does almost everything right and he hustles and can set the tone. And, and so there might be a situation where he starts out at the three if he earns that. As Alex said, he's not going to give up uh, that position. And, and you know, uh, sometimes you play someone who's not as good offensively if they do everything else uh, because uh, a lot of players would prefer to just play offense sometimes. And, and you need to remind your team 
uh, by divvying out those those points. So I, I think it's going to be interesting um, interesting to see. But I think McRoberts still has a huge role on this team as a senior leader and as a as a player that is almost very similar to Archie in toughness. I think. Yep, I agree. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall. Uh, and guys, let's dig into a few of the questions that we got either on Twitter or in the uh, Slack community that we have on the Assembly Call. Uh, so, Alex, I'll throw this one to you first. If for no other reason than the uh, the person who submitted it was Alex, so maybe you propping your you know teeing up a question for yourself. Um, considering last year's transfers and seniors, which position do you think is most improved by the incoming class, including race? And uh, and we'll throw Fitzner in the mix here um, since he uh, since he committed today. Most improved. Uh, Most improved shoot, position is the is shooting the guard. Yeah. Shooting guard, and that's not <laughs> taking anything away from Robert Johnson, who was a you know I know you're the you're the Robert Johnson fan here, but I mean Robert Johnson's a great college player, but uh, Romeo Langford's a potential uh, NBA. 10 to 15 year player in, in the league. So um, I, I mean, I think just from a pure talent standpoint and, and uh, you know, I've had multiple national guys uh, tell me that they believe that they think Romeo could be the top freshman scorer in the country uh, next season. And that's not uh, anything to, to just brush away lightly. So I would say shooting guard. Um, and then I'm obviously interested to see what happens with point guard, because I think Robert Fennessy coming in could help elevate, the game of Devonte Green because if it if it, if he doesn't uh, um, you know elevate his game then he's going to lose minutes so I think it's going to be uh, some fascinating battles uh, particularly in the backcourt but I mean overall just going back to my earlier point I think I just think the overall talent on the roster you look at what is leaving and what's coming in and it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty lopsided for in terms of overall talent what's coming in uh, you would take that. Uh, most most times over what's uh, departing. Yeah, Brian, you have uh, you have thoughts on the position most improved. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I mean, you get Romeo, and that's a huge improvement. Uh, coach's dream: uh, go score. Uh, call a timeout, thirty second timeout. Okay, Romeo, get the ball to Romeo. Go score. Um, <laughs> that, that that makes a lot of coaches look smart, you know. And I, I mean, I like Archie anyway, but I think that I do think I do think our our post play with depth and, and the competition uh, that it'll it'll ultimately be better and uh, we have a variety of, of types of players to throw in there at the five and we have some depth uh, to give uh, Jawan a rest or if he's in foul trouble I don't know that uh, it, it, boy when he hit the bench you held your breath last year uh, because you know you'd go 13 minutes without him in the first half you just hoped you were in a ball game I think we have some ability to close that gap so that would be my second position yeah i think one of the ones um that that's interesting that we didn't mention i think shooting guard to, to alex's point is is the most obvious answer but uh i think the the three spot is going to be interesting because if you really look back at the roster from last year i don't know that there were a lot of um you, you know maybe i'm blocking somebody out of my mind but they're you know just the guy that really fit that kind of wing score uh or something like that so i think you could see you know maybe justin smith can slip into that role uh, maybe it's Jerome Hunter, those kinds of guys. I think that those are some interesting pieces. And, and I think with what we talked about to, to open this segment, just the roster versatility and the size and length that they're going to be able to put out there is uh, is pretty exciting. So 
certainly, I think a lot of pieces we hope to be improved, and and time will tell the answer on that. But I think uh, I think answering shooting guard to start is a, is a good place to sit. We got to give Fantasy a little love. I mean, he he killed us, uh, so <laughs> I'm I'm glad he's graduating and and going to Indiana. I think that position too is going to get a competition boost. Yep, I would agree. All right. Well, we are going to answer more of your questions next in our final segment uh, here on the Assembly Call. So stick with us, and we'll hit as many as we can in the last few minutes. Welcome back. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Alex Bozich from Inside the Hall. And we've got a few minutes left, so I wanted to hit a few more of the questions that we received over the course of the week. Uh, this one came from Ben. Given a healthy roster, should IU be in the preseason top 25? And if so, where? Uh, Alex, I'll throw that one to you first. Borderline, I would say. Um, I think they could get some, some votes. Um, but you never know what those things. Half the people that vote in the preseason a people probably are football voters too so they're not really too dialed into what's going on um I, and i would say that obviously adding romeo kind of just gives the buzz and uh some people that may have been on the fringe otherwise are not really giving indiana any thought any indiana any thought they could look at the fact that the recruiting class is ranked in the top 10 nationally if Jawan comes back and then adding romeo lankford and say hey you know maybe i'll toss him in there at 23 or 24 but I, you know, I think it's probably 50-50 that they would fall somewhere maybe in the last couple spots. Uh, but I, they're definitely a team I think could see. I could see them at least getting some votes uh, in the preseason. Uh, Brian, has the uh, Delphi Bracketology Club done any uh, early, early season bracket projections that we should be aware of and, uh, and and hang our hats on? I have a freshman working on our preseason one already, or it'll be our spring one. And he was just working on it today. And uh, we were discussing where IU would be and and. So we're looking in the 20 to 35 range, possibly 50-50 again, uh, without knowing a darn thing about who's coming back for the other guys and the NBA guys. So I think that I'd rather him not be in and have a little bit of motivation to move in. I think they're going to be a a pretty solid tournament team or have a chance, a good chance to make the tournament. So wherever that finds them. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think they'll be on the low end. It just obviously depends where, uh, you know, where what other guys decide about coming back. But usually when you look at these early top 25 polls, there's about 15 teams that everybody's consistent on. And then you got about 20 to 25 that everybody kind of tucks in there that might be their you know pet team or whatever that they really like and, and something like that. So I think I will find their way into some of them, but probably not the majority. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens from there. Uh, next question is from Adam. Regarding the schedule for next season, what's our non-conference look like so far? Do we know of any big-time games they're looking to set up? I know, Alex, you track this pretty well. I don't know that there's too much out there with the exception of the Butler game uh, in the crossroads. Um, but anything else that you are aware of or you guys have on the site already that I have completely forgotten about? Just the Louisville game at Assembly Hall. Oh, that's, that's right. That's the league before the Butler game. And then I, I'm assuming that since they have done two straight ACC Big Ten home games that they'll do a road game this year against an ACC team. I think the dates um, for that have been moved up a little bit. I think November 26th through the 28th um, because I'm assuming that there's going to be some Big Ten games again in early December. Uh, I think that worked out pretty well last year for the league. Uh, At least they liked, I think, having that and the fact that they're going to 20 conference games. But other than that, I mean, it's going to be tough if they, you know, if they have Butler, Louisville, you know, ACC Big Ten, 
Uh, and then 20 conference games, it's like, you know, I don't know that there's room for necessarily a marquee, another marquee game. I mean, you could have a maybe one other, uh, you know, top 50, top 75-ish type team, but I don't know that you want to go too much beyond that, especially with a young team. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I've, it's one of those things, the Big Ten ACC, I think they throw out different, different options. I don't, I'm not really sure what that, if there's an obvious choice to your point, I think there's a road game, but I haven't looked enough to know who hasn't played road games, uh, you know, who's due for a home game on the ACC side that would probably garner the kind of attention that they want. So uh, they could also have a Gavit games uh, matchup as well. I don't know. I know they were last year. They could have a home game there. uh, But I mean, say you did have a Gavit games, you had ACC big 10, then you had those two other ones. I think the rest of you probably just want to go for some solid, uh, non obviously non RPI killing games, but uh, so some games that you kind of I mean every team's going to schedule some games that they feel like they're going to win with almost near certainty. But we saw how that uh, that worked out last year as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that kind of leads into a question from Brandon: Who would you guys like to see IU face in the Gavit Games or the and or the ACC Big Ten Challenge? Brian, I'll throw that one to you. Anybody you really like to see IU? I'm going to sh- I'm going to show my age. I'd like to see Georgetown. They were big when I was in high school. Uh, I did get a chance to see him over at Xavier this year. It was the first time I've ever seen Georgetown play. So I'd like to see Georgetown, uh, in assembly hall. I'd like to go, uh, play Virginia. Um, maybe not, uh, that's a tough team to play, but Virginia or North Carolina state, when I was looking at it today are teams that might be where IU is seated fourth, fifth, sixth in the big 10 matched up with a similar team. Uh, but I'd like to see Georgetown, uh, yeah. Come in, or I'd like to see Xavier. Either either one of those in the Gavit game. Yeah, I think Xavier's interesting. I I would like it even if they played a road game at Xavier. It'd be right down the right down the street for me. So I selfishly I would be uh, I would be fine with that. Um, as far as the the Big Ten or the uh, ACC Big Ten, I mean maybe there's a chance they go to North Carolina again. I didn't really get a chance to look to see who's That's played what those I was games say. recently. I could see them uh, tacking that one on there, uh, or maybe Virginia. But we'll. Uh, Time will tell on what the schedule looks like, so we'll keep everybody up to date on that as more details emerge. Uh, But that's going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. Uh, If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for the Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoops. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. 
Cascade Platinum every night. Saves you water every night. Come meet me at the dishwasher base. See, hand washing dishes at your sink uses about four gallons of water every two minutes. Naughty, naughty sink. But with Cascade Platinum at your dishwasher, four gallons of water gets the whole job done. So the flow of that H2O and change your routine. Do it every night with Cascade Platinum. A surprising way to save water. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.